What's up, Josh? Cum bomb. Oh, God. That's, um, India just released their new military superior weapon. It's called the cum bomb. Goes through the wall and then blows up on the inside. Gibbs, you got any thoughts on that? Sounds like combine to me, only missing a letter. Okay, so I was going to say neat. that. But, uh, so the Mennonite community where I'm from refers to combines as combines. Combines? Combine. Yes, I've heard that same exact combine. It's like, no, combine. Sound well, you, it out. You combine things. That's where it comes from. Yeah. You take the thrasher and the, the binder and you put it together. And you have a combine. Combine. Combined it. Huh. You didn't More you know. combine it. Right. That's knowledge that is not going to get me any farther in life. But I'll take it. Well, yeah, but we kind of like knowing it. Uh, all right. Another WTF um, with Ryan Gibbs. Man, the myth, the legend. Uh, yeah. Gibbs, welcome, dude. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. Excited to be here. Gibbs, this morning, uh, Gibbs and I were sitting over there at that table, and I was like, Gibbs, what's your, what are your goals for this year? And he's like, you know, I was just having this conversation with my wife yesterday, and he, and I'm like, hang on, stop. Let's record this. So here we are. Gibbs, give us a little rundown on yourself, where you're from. Pretend like, pretend like no one knows. Pretend like I don't know anything about you. I'd prefer if you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Ryan Gibbs. Uh, I run and own Gibbs Field Farms, Gibbs Field Ag, um, Eastern Iowa, Northeast Iowa, just south of the Field of Dreams, about 10 miles, um, half an hour from the Mississippi, um, the land of milk and honey, like I tell my Kansas friends. It's kind of like a rainforest. It usually rains every week here, except for this year. But uh, yeah, so we raise a bunch of hogs, a couple thousand hogs. We got some cattle, um, got a few pasture pigs, uh, corn, soybeans, cereal rye seed production, uh, dabbling into buckwheat a little bit, a little bit of alfalfa. Uh, got a cover crop seed business. We um, sell and apply cover crop seed. Um, doing a little bit of agronomy consulting on the side. Um, not really advertised it. People just kind of came to me. So I started doing a little bit of that on the side. Uh, I'm working with Singular here. The best um, guys generally don't have to advertise. Usually they're pretty, they're busy. busy enough. They're yeah. busy enough. Yep, yep. Kind of just went into it with the mentality like, I'm not selling you product. I'm just looking at your soil test, going out to your fields, looking at your soil, and then I'll just kind of make a recommendation. You can do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't care. If you don't want to follow anything I say, that's fine. Doesn't it affect your life any. Yeah, I don't. That's kind of how me. I start. That's what I did you know? with you. Yeah. yeah. Same thing. Yep. It's yep. a good way to go. You got a lot of people who uh, need that extra push. That's what I always found. Guys know about 90% of what they want to do and what they should do. They just need that little... Yeah. little kick in the pants to go yeah. do it. In the context. Permission. They need permission to do yes. what they want. No. You literally would ask for permission. Remember that? Yeah. This is what I'm thinking of doing. I'd ben, see can you, I do this? I'd see your number come across my phone. Had a select name for you for a while. Yes. We still use it today, but we yeah. won't use it off here. That's right. <laughs> so. Yep. Yep. So, but some of our groupie, one of our groupies is earning that name today. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. He's sitting right over there. Um, let's see. 
So we're doing not to like date this podcast or because we want this to not timeless, but we want guys to be able to refer to this podcast anytime. We're in Iowa doing meetings. We did one in Nebraska yesterday, Iowa today. Um, we're trying to knock, we're trying to do a set number of meetings where we meet with distributors, growers, and go from there. And Gibbs, Gibbs, um, has helped us with the newsletter, newsletter or blog or both. He's helped uh, do copy on the catalog. He's done product stuff. We just keep going stuff. back to Gibbs because yep. Gibbs is very relatable to guys. Um, Gibbs, what are your goals for twenty four? I want. I like. Like really, you've got a lot going on. Um, you're at this point where you're gonna, you're having to, and I assume you're, you're having to figure out how can I streamline this because there's not enough Gibbs to go around. I think that's something that farmers really struggle is there's, there's, you can't make more hours. So no. how do you do better with the hours you've got? You know, I thought about that the last few months is investing in equipment that makes my life faster and easier, so I don't have to hire someone. <laughs> mm. You know, and trying to make things more efficient and faster. Um, you know, 20, like, go ahead. On the equipment talk, I went to John Deere Get Parts the other day and they have these new uh, autonomous kits for a tractor. Autonomous? Really? Yeah. That you can make your tractor all self operational now. Oh, that'd be cool. And I thought about it for a minute and I was like, except what happens when it breaks the shank off? or whatever say just simple things you're not going to want to let it plant but what if it's ripping breaks that, a that wad of corn, corn stalks it's plugged in the front yeah. and it drags for 800 yards yeah. across the field until yeah. it kills the tractor or pulls a pile from end to end through the whole field that was my is how is a bot going to know how to evenly spread a pile you know raise it up go over at one height the I've next seen some height. of the technology True. behind it and how they're doing that and they're using radar controls and stuff like that but i just don't know how it's gonna know i mean even if it's viewing back with a camera to watch a pile like i ran the other night for maybe an hour with the shank busted off because i couldn't see it because it yeah. was so far back there so if i can't see it you know for sure that thing can't see it or you're gonna have so many sensors and then all we're gonna do is fix sensors fix sensors all yeah. the time clean dust off sensors and fix them yep interesting anyway anyway so your goals your goals <laughs> <laughs> so we had a lot of i had a lot of things that worked in 2023 that i'm gonna do again in 2024. we had some stuff that i feel maybe didn't work as well in 2023 that we're not gonna do for next year um, but a lot of that was due to moisture and rain mm. and we just didn't get the moisture and rain this year, 10 to eight to 10 inches, depending on the farm. You know, we typically get over 20 in a growing season. I'm in an area that gets about 30 to 32 a whole year. So it's hard to grow stuff without moisture. And I'm preaching to the choir here, guys from Kansas that live with no rain, but you know, I'm so used to it, yeah. you know, that. So yeah, a lot of things that worked, things that didn't work, but you know, overall goal, we are cutting costs per acre and we're focusing on sticking money into the things that work and cutting out all the other fat. Mm. So we really kind of dove into the soil testing stuff and really understanding how to read it properly and not just what, you know, we've been told for years type stuff because 
you know. What are a couple things on a soil test that you are looking for now that are not unconventional, but unconventional to most points of view? Um, calcium, magnesium based saturations and carbon. Those are the things that were not taught to me. And they were things that I really never paid attention to. I knew calcium was important. I knew your crop need magnesium. No, your crop needs carbon. I think a corn plant is like 46% carbon or something. It's only like 3% nitrogen. It's a real small percent nitrogen. It's mostly carbon, you know, and you know, I, I knew about them, but I didn't really understand fully the importance and the level at where they needed to be. So I got a book, uh, Hands-On Agronomy, Neil Kinsey, where he really talked about it. It was referred to me by Michael Vinito, actually has the book. So I got to really understand the soil test better. And I got looking at our soils and it's like, well, why do we, why is this, why can't I get the probe in the ground here? Why is this soil tight? Well, your soil is a living organism. It has to breathe. It needs oxygen. It needs gas exchange to function properly. Well, how do you do that? Well, if your base saturations are in check, carbon, you know, things like that help to make your soil function. So, you know, looking at a soil test this morning and the guy hasn't put P and K. I was telling Josh this earlier. Guy pulled soil test, this guy's soil test. And I was just looking at it this morning, got the email in. Boom, this dude's soil test came in. Four different fields, looking at them. This guy hasn't put P and K on in over 10 years. You know, corn, soybean rotation, no livestock manure. You know, he hasn't put P and K on, I don't know, 10 years. It might have been 15. I need to ask him. I know it's been a very long time. His P and K levels are like perfect. His carbon is really low. His calcium's not bad. His base saturation on three of the fields, magnesium's really high, which he, was telling me, he's like, I had a heck of a time pulling soil tests. He goes, I couldn't get the probe in the ground hardly. Mm. You know, he's been doing some minimal till, um, some no-till, you know, a little bit of everything there. But I was actually amazed that I thought his soil test actually looked really good. But the first thing that I noticed besides the base saturations, which is one of the first I look at, his pH is good, his, his carbon was really low. And I told him before we pulled the soil test i said i know you got some lighter soil i said you're probably going to need some carbon on it like it's lighter soil you know you don't have the organic matters yeah you know need that in there so gonna and, he's gonna humix i mean going yeah. to the humix side of things he is gonna try some humate this year um it was actually something that i told him about humate mm -hmm. and this is a word that he'd never heard of and he come back to me and he goes yeah, I got Google in that. Let's do it. <laughs> I got We've had a couple of, you know. Yeah. We've had a yeah. couple that have done that. And people and are like, I need to research this. Yes. Just do a Google search. That's what I just told him. I'm like, you know, I mentioned it to him. I'm like, you know, and he goes, okay. Then he comes back and he's like, I Googled that. And he's like, yep, let's do that. I'm like, oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> Google's know? a great farmer. Yeah. I'm like, you know, we got to look at, you know, where's our dollars going to and where can we allocate them to get the best return on investment? Because we need to run a business first, a farm second. Mm. And if you're not running the farm as a business, you're not going to be in business very long as a farmer. So I've been telling guys that uh, agronomically to invest in things that pay over long term. So 
carbon is one of those. So to take like seed, number one, yep. it's a one and done deal. You plant it, it grows a crop or it doesn't, and you're done. That investment either returns or doesn't that year, no further. Yep. Nitrogen, iffy in my area, it carries a little bit over here, a lot less. You know, things like that, phosphorus, potassium, those are to the point of your story, you hadn't done it forever, so them seem like a waste. But long-term agronomic return, and soil health side, structural side, you know, staying away from overdoing the things that are a one-and-done deal, actually be precise business-wise. So it's like me and you. You know what? I'm going to give you 100 bucks. Go over there and see what you can make out of it. Yep. Not very many people are going to hand you 200 bucks on a win like, I might do better, but I don't know. Well, here's, you know, a lot of, here's a grant. <laughs> yep. So I don't give Josh that no. Well, a lot of people, a lot <laughs> of people say I'm investing in my dirt, but they don't go any further than that. They, they consider the investing in dirt just throwing loads of fertilizer out there. You know, it's like, <clears throat> but they don't, they don't, you know, if someone, if, if say you had, say you had $100,000 and you wanted to invest in a business or you wanted to invest you know, in some some venture of some sorts, you're going to, you're not just going to look at it and be like, yeah, it's good business to do it. I mean, maybe, but probably not if you only have $100,000. That's it. You're going to look into it. You're going to see what's your goals, what's your mission, what's your return, what's your projections, et cetera. You know, why do we not look at soil tests that way? You know, break the, like, let's look at this thing and start at what's the ground level and work our way up from there. What's our most influenceable Part. It's like the last podcast, not chasing the white rabbit. I always say that. People get in the what if world. Mm -hmm. What if everything's perfect and I can, you know, raise that 300 for once? And then I always tell everybody, well, what if an asteroid hits tomorrow? We're all dead. None of it matters anyway. So <laughs> it's just an equal what if. That's right. Yeah. So, so but yeah, guys. Chase the white rabbit on the what if train, not invest correctly or adequately, if you want to call it that, but um, soil builds and everything else, especially if you don't own the ground. Yeah. And then it's even that much more risk. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm one of them that if I don't own it, I'm going to be really strategic. And if a landowner or whatever comes back on me on that, I'm going to, you know, have that talk that, I mean, we were talking about it last night. Wasn't that last night? A couple days ago. You know, it was. says yes. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, we were talking about it yesterday. So, being smart about it, <clears throat> especially as you're coming up. And it looks like prices, well, there was some talk yesterday we listened into on your, your marketing guy. Yeah. That there's some potential, but we always have those all the time. Whether yeah. they materialize or not, it's sure. totally a different. China seems to be buying a lot of beans at this time. South American weather. South American weather, things of that nature. Come Plant, planting issues, but yeah, I've been in the game long enough that the planters are getting so stinking good that they can plant the whole country in about four days. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. that's there's a lot of truth in that. If there's one thing I stick a lot of time in, it's my planter. Yeah. You know, I want to, that's one thing I want set up, right? I get one chance to do it. And I'm 35, and I'll probably be planting another 15, 20 years before my kid does it. Yeah. So I got 15 to 20 more chances to get it right. Isn't that crazy? That. Chances. Yeah. You think about that? How many times will I be planting again? Yep. 
And every year it's less. I know. <laughs> you know. I know. <laughs> I had a guy tell me the other days that, uh, you know, every year you live your death day. What does that mean? That means every year, say you're going to die September 30th, every September 30th, you're living that day you die. Wow. Think about that. Wow. That's Every heavy. day you wake That's up. That's a great way to start my day with a positive note. <laughs> you might die today in 20 years. Yeah. yeah. Make it count. Make it count. That's <laughs> right. It's just really, we should look at it that way and be more positive. Oh, absolutely. And, if we looked at every day, how many, how many songs and whatever has been written over time you know live like live, live today, like you're like, dying yeah live you like know? you're dying well yeah and you technically are in a way yep. you know i was talking with with aaron aa ron yesterday on the way up hey he's talking about he's got family is it dementia no no alzheimer's yeah and that he's only got so long to get his stuff done before that could take in and you know even us I've, I've yeah. thought about that. What if, you know, in 20 years you have a stroke? You don't die, but you're basically a vegetable. So you only got that much time to get your stuff done or express your knowledge or do your thing that you're supposed to do. Yeah. So sitting in a rut is a terrible idea. Right. So Don't be willing to try something, but that kind of goes back. Gibbs, what, what is, what's one thing you tried this year that you're glad you tried it, but you won't do it again? Wow. Um, I got one. What do you got, man? Is it live for farming? <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, my farming one is I went and planted 54,000 twin row corn. Tried that out. Okay. I learned a heck of a lot from that. I'll never do it again. But you don't seriously regret doing it? No. Some of the best technologies I've got today that I've learned come from that mis mistake, that trial, whatever, yeah. that experiment. I won't tell soybean what room is mine again either. <laughs> <laughs> Just telling some other room, some That's random it. room. <laughs> He's just shaking his head. This year, I tried 60-inch corn again, and I'm not going to do that again next year. Really? I thought you really liked that. How did it turn out? Not worth the crap. Really? I made a lot of mistakes on it, and then it didn't rain to help fix what I tried to put on it to help fix it. Mm. So we're not going to do 60 inch corn next year. I am going to implement a little bit of strip till next year into cover crop. My planting program into my cover crop was awesome. We literally did everything right. Mm. It just, we didn't get moisture, you know, and that really hurt us. Um, but yeah, I don't think I'm going to do 60 inch corn next year. I'm not saying I won't ever do it again. Maybe two years. Sure. I'm going to take a break from it for a year. I'm going to try something else on that little field, my experimental field. Last year I had an experimental field with 45 pounds of nitrogen, and it was my second highest yielding field. What did it make? Overall average of the field was like 156. It was six and a half acres, okay? The outside rounds were like 50 bushel because the deer... The deer the, rows? The deer rows just, they destroyed everything on the north section of it. And then the coon came in and knocked out a small portion. Got to fix that too. But boy, through the center, it was running like, you know, 
220, 230 on wow. 45 pounds of nitrogen. And that, that was nitrogen, sulfur, humic acid, and boron dribbled behind the planter. I came back to side dress. I was going to side dress, and I still had like a hundred and some pounds of nitrogen out there. And I'm like, I didn't put a hundred pounds down, but I had a hundred pounds according to my soil test. Previous crop was buckwheat. Mm. We put a little bit of bedding pack manure on it on the winter time, but that was just cattle manure. There wasn't, it was more corn stalks than it was manure. So there wasn't probably much nitrogen value in that. But those but stalks soaked up a lot of nitrogen though. They take a lot to break down, yes. Yeah. But I was surprised it was that good. And I went, I was going to side dress it and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to leave it. There's no rain in the forecast anyways. Just see what happens. So I didn't side dress it, but my sandy ground really brought down my average. Uh, we had sand ground that was like 25 bushel corn. Yeah. It was awful. But then we had some really good spots in the field that were bouncing way over 300. Wow. But when you average it all out, it's like 110 bushel average on certain fields. Like sure. that sucks. Yeah. But I mean, you know, when you go from two years ago, we were pulling Strips across the field, 286. No tilled, yeah. corn in the corn. Like, and then you go to a year like this where it's 100, it just breaks your heart. Welcome to Kansas. Welcome you to know, Kansas. I know. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason I don't farm or live in Kansas. I'll drive there, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. But I don't want to live there and farm there. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a whole different, it's just completely different. You're, you, li you live kind of in an oasis. It's just a little, in a it's unique a whole, area. Yeah, and it rains. You you actually have the Iowa mentality. A lot of people uh, call where I live Little Iowa yeah. and Kansas, where we live. It just it's a kind of a sweet little spot in Kansas that we get we've gotten lucky on. You get out in my area, and it's hail. You, you start with it's going to burn up. Yeah. When it burns up, how far will it be? That's the talk. <laughs> and then you get rain. It just comes in ice form. Yeah, but the biggest thing is when we get rain, we get a lot all at once. 30 inches yeah, is you what get. you got this year in 40 days. Yeah, but that was a little more unique. But I'm talking like when it rains, you're going to get three inches in one night. Yeah. That's which crazy. is very common in the West. Every guy in the West listening to this is going to say that. But um, yeah, what about you? What you got? What do I regret this year? Yeah, besides um, bringing soybean. I, I, <laughs> it's a good thing we don't have a mic over with him. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> I, I don't regret this, but it's probably, I put so much, I poured so much into my contest corn this year, um, like foliar feed. Man, I fed that thing every 10 days. Every seven to 10 days, I was making a pass, and I... I thought I could fix more than I could. I thought I could help it more than I could. It ended up being one of my lowest fields this year. Now, I planted higher pop because I was planning for contest year and good year. If it wasn't a good year, I knew the yield was gonna drag significantly because the higher pop, I shot for higher potential. I wasn't shooting for good ROI on this field. I was shooting for potential. And I really, and I think foliar is a very powerful tool. I think it's a very useful tool same time i think i don't know i just got reminded of how much or how little effect we can have sometimes um over things yep. how much well, influence never, never grow a crop feeding it yourself that's a common misconception people have that 
I have to put everything out there that that crop needs. I need to apply nitrogen, I need to do phos, potassium, all that stuff. I'm feeding that crop. Like Mr. Without, without me, it will not grow. Yeah, Mr. York told me one time, boy, farmers, he's, he's from the West, far West. If farmers believe that their management is what's making that crop live, then they really got something to work on. You don't manage a tree in the forest and it yeah. grows a big, beautiful, leafy Safe. crop every year. Why do we have to mow, <laughs> our, mow our road ditches constantly? And that's a lot of what I've done when it comes to management on even, you know, talking to people, suggesting things like that, is you got so many people that think that that's the case, like your deal, that you got to feed it. it. It's not going to get the boron. It's not going to get the copper. It's not going to get whatever, zinc. It's not going to get phos. It's not going to get potassium. And a lot of the times, more times than not, you're the reason it's not getting it because you're overloading it. Sure. <clears throat> so still takes biology and soil microorganisms and rain to make things work. Mm -hmm. You throw all the NPK, boron, cobalt, molly, whatever, name it, at it. Still takes, like if you throw nitrogen at a plant, I told this to you guys, I told this to other people, if I throw a, a you know, handful of nitrogen at a corn plant, it doesn't, the roots don't just grab onto the nitrogen, suck it up and drink it. Yeah. It's got to break down. It's got to go through a biological process to even be available. Like, you know. Sure. Yeah. I think so many people, so many people, and this isn't, they don't think quite to this level, but not far from, that if they put a kernel of corn in a bucket of potash, they take all their fertilizer, blend it up at the plant, scoop a bucket out, put a kernel of corn in, and pour water on it, that that thing would grow. I think farmers subconsciously think that. You know, like, this is it. Mm -hmm. But... Yeah, because soil, in a lot of guys' mind, is an anchoring. Yeah. It's a structural yeah, thing. Yeah, it's just we what your roots grow in, yeah. Yeah, that thing's just made to hold that plant. That's all it really does, and hold water. Yeah. It's it's a sponge that's designed to anchor. And soil and fertility are totally different things. Yeah. And it's it just does not work that way. Yeah. Okay. And then even when you get in the plant, you get onto the physiology aspects, the actual cellular side of things, how it takes nutrition, what it does with it. It doesn't, it's not like it's soaking it up and, and just taking that nitrogen molecule and putting it in there. It takes it, converts it like water and breaks the molecule and takes and makes glucose and all these other things to produce starch. It's a hormone system like you. So you don't have chunks of steak sticking on your arm, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's different. Sure. Okay, Gibbs, what is something you tried this year that you're like, dang, we're doing that again? Um, we haven't got the final results on it, but we put humic in our hog manure because we got foaming in our manure pit. And so, yeah, we put that in there, and that significantly reduced the foam. And, you know, it's a carbon source, so I'm looking at this as a nitrogen stabilizer for pumping manure. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, a gazillion hogs in eastern Iowa. <laughs> you know, you can stand about anywhere in eastern Iowa and look in the distance and see a hog barn somewhere. Mm. Or even a cattle barn. Cattle confinements are really getting big. There's like four of them within a two-mile radius of me. Dairy? Um, slatted cattle. Feeder cattle barn. Feeder cattle barns? Yeah, like colored cattle. Angus. Beef cattle. Slatted barns. 250 head, 400 head barns on slats. 
So I look Kansas at guys sitting here like that's cute. Like, you guys put those things in barns? Like, don't you throw them on the pasture? Like, yeah. I mean, our feedlots back home are holding a half a million. Yeah. A barn. Yeah, it's basically like no a idea. hog confinement barn, but oh, without sides on it. It's open yeah, for airflow. It'd be amazing for it's the manure. Slightly. Oh yeah, it's good manure. The problem is it's very thick. So these guys usually run their downspouts into their manure. This year, I've heard of an instance where they went to pump the guy's manure and it was so thick it wouldn't even move because we didn't get the rain on the water. downspouts that go into the manure to get enough water to mix with it. Oh wow. So they had to, I don't know if they, they pumped water from somewhere or if they had a local hog barn, they were able to pump water from the hog barn in because that's a lot more liquidy, sure, watery. But I looked at as, you know, you put, there's guys that put anhydrous down, they put stabilizer with it. There's guys that put 32% or urea, they usually put a stabilizer with it. I'm like, well, I put manure down, why not put a stabilizer with it? Why not put something with it and get some benefit out of it? Not only do we got a little bit of foam we're getting rid of, I mean, we didn't have it bad, a couple, two, three inches, four inches maybe at best, and it knocked it down some. And, um, why not put something with it and get some bang out of my buck with my hog manure? You know, we are knifing it in. We're doing everything we can to keep it contained where we're not getting gas off and Cover stuff. crops, things like that. Yep, cover yeah. crops. Um, you know, I've been no-till for a couple years. I shouldn't say I've been no-till. I've been like 95% no-till. Like we still do occasional touch-up tillage when needed. Yeah. Most no-till guys do. They just don't want to say it because they don't want to be, you know, the outcast of the no-till crowd. Yeah. <laughs> They don't I mean, want to admit that they have a disc hidden behind the barn somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> you got a 12-footer, and it is a high-speed disc if you pull it fast enough. Darn right, they all are. <laughs> you know, we can throw a 210-horse tractor on a 12-foot disc, and now we have a high-speed disc. The value of that did just increase. Darn right. Substantially. Probably like 80 grand. Probably close to 80,000. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So it is for sale if anybody wants to come take a look at it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, we did a little bit of subsoiling on our end rows this year just to mitigate some compaction. Funny story, I had the subsoiler hooked up to my tractor, five shank subsoiler on a 200 horse tractor, 8110 deer. Did the outside, the end rows where we, we knew we had compaction from running tank on it, grain cart. Been doing no-till for, and cover crops for four-ish, five years. I'm like, let's run this bad boy right across the center of the field, one pass, let's see what, let's see what kind of hard spots we got. You know, on the end rows, we're doing four and a half mile an hour, just working the snot out of this tractor, 15 inches deep, just burying it. Tractor had all it had. Got off the end row, went across the gear, 11th gear, 12th gear, 13th gear. I was at seven and a half mile an hour, and I could have bumped it up to another gear. It would have logged her down pretty hard. We're on seven and a half mile an hour across the field. And I could have hit another gear with it, with a 200 horse tractor at 15 inches deep. Wow. I made one pass across the field, and I'm like, well, this is absolutely worthless, but That's it was worth a try. Time. I just wanted to see. Yeah. You sure. know? And so yanked it up, drove it back to the other end. Bogged <laughs> like, her down again. Like we're done with this field. You know, I just did my end rows where I yeah. knew we had driven a lot. You know, out of a, that 186 acre field, we probably did two acres yeah. of tillage on it. But, you know, let's. Break up that hard pan. We got out there two days later. This is after they hauled manure. Got out there two days later, got our cover crop drilled. Now we got a week and a half of 60 degree weather here. Hell yeah. It's gonna take off with the roots. Should, should take going, get them roots down in there. 
The only thing I wish I would have done differently, but I didn't have time, I would have loved to put like my saddle tanks on my tractor and run a liquid system Pump. on the subsoiler and let's put something 15 inches into the ground. Let's put, you know, compost extract or some humic or some something, you know, to kind of put some structure, put back some structure back in there. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Maybe it's a winter project. We'll throw that. It's not my subsoil. It's the neighbors. He let me use it. Nice guy. Sure. But wouldn't take a lot to do it. Interesting. Though. And that's a straight shank. Anhydrous. It didn't have wings on it. You, you know, anhydrous tube on that. Couldn't you? Well, I mean, not to run anhydrous, but to, for your actual delivery application. Oh, okay. I was thinking of just welding a small, like, three-eighths inch pipe on the back of the shank. Yeah. And then run a plastic tube down that. That's an anhydrous shank. Yeah. I, I thought about doing that once and, and laying that down there. Because the idea is, is oxygen is the limiting factor on the biological biological activity as you move down. Mm -hmm. And thought if you could lay it down there at the subsoiler with a stout catalyst and get it going, would it s speed up the recovery or not? I don't know. Don't know unless we try. Yeah. You get Winter that deep once it piles over or silts in and everything else, would it just kill it and be done? Now, like John Kemp says, he goes, to start a system out, sometimes it takes iron. Yeah. Get it broke up, get that hard pan out, get a crop growing and get root structure down deep. There's a, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of hardcore no-tillers that are beginning to admit that. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it's okay. It's all right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's... Sawyer did that. He had, didn't, went down and he, there was a field called flat iron, ripped it because it's got compaction on it, loosened it up, put a cover crop back on, and, you know, otherwise, sure, you can do it with roots, but, God, it might take 15, 20 years. You know, Dad's been no-tilling for, was no-tilling 16 years before I took over, went in, did some digging, in a lot of areas had a lot of compaction fixed, but there were some areas with still a freaking hard pan. Mm -hmm. You know, like Yib said in the beginning, it's a living organism as a whole. And the only way it really functions is everything's living and working. Yeah. And so there's all this thought in some of these hardcore, especially you get in the West, hardcore no-tillers, that it's the fact you're not tilling that is actually improving your soil health, not improving the living organism. Mm -hmm. And so, I don't know, I keep going back to that farm, but I took took on that farm that had been no-till for 19 years. Yeah. And it was so bad. I was burning up points off my chisel, which it's a heavy chisel. It's a coon, yeah. coon dominator with chisel points on it, Yeah, not river. Did you see his snap of the burned off chisel? He was comparing the points? Mm -hmm. He's doing, how many acres does it take to do that? Well, I can get about- even Bad quality steel. Five, yeah. I get about 500 acres on a set. But in that kind of ground, you were no, burning. No, no. no, this deal. Set. Crap. Okay, so That's I put expensive. some points on this points thing. Are not cheap. Yeah. I put some points on this thing, and I was ripping that no-till farm. And uh, I kid you not, I'd get out, take a leak, and piss on the points, and they would sizzle. They were that hot. I was burning them off about every 80 acres instead of five, oh six hundred. It was hot, and I'm only. It's a section. That it's a whole section. 
That had to have been some tight soil. Oh, like, I'd like to see what the base saturation on that was. It had to have been super tight. It's really wild. I mean, it's a full square mile, full section. And one side's like 85% base in calcium, and then you get to the other side, and it's in the 50s in spots. Wow. And your pH range runs from mid-fives up to mid-eights on the same section. And you got super tight high mag to sand. All in one. Yeah, and so it's, it's wild. But I remember I knew the tenant prior. Okay, so let's say I'm in Iowa. I walk into a situation like that. Where's the best bang for my buck? In Iowa? Yes. We get rain. It's Iowa. Let's say you There's got the no same field. Let's say that exact Iowa. field that you just talked about is in Iowa. Mm. I'm a land farm. I'm a farmer. I go in and I rent this farm. Where is my best return on investment on that farm? Besides, say, the tillage. From a fertility, biological, whatever standpoint, Jake. what is your first thing that you would shove money into Jake. to get a return on investment on that so farm? So he took on a farm very similar. It was irrigated in eastern, southeastern Nebraska. And he took that on, and our suggestions is very similar to what we do, except we didn't find out about this till yesterday. A month. No, no, no. Oh, oh. I'm oh. talking last year. A month before planting ish. Mm hmm. It was pretty soon. Yeah, it was maybe a little before that, but he. Cover it, crops were not an option. Yep. He was so close, it wasn't going to happen. But if you got it now, I would have told you to do the same thing minus I would have had you plant cover but I had him shove a shank in there because he thought it was silage year after year it had several sets of silage run through it so run a shank through it opened it up kind of smooth it over and then drill cover with a hot load of humic and that was the starting and then after that it was basically biological stimulation you know, catalysts and sweeteners and everything else in furrow, but we mitigated that not through a ton at it. So my whole thing is too many people throw too much out the yep. gate. Yep. And so that's like, let's just do that. He wanted to manure it and everything else. Nope, they're just gonna do a few things. You wanna tell him what the wreck was from his co-op? $320 an acre in It was basically depth. 400 pounds combined. Crazy. $320 an acre. Yep. And then they were going to plant it thicker, yeah, because the performance is. Think he was going to so put it plant at thirty thousand. Did he say thirty thousand? He was going to put it at thirty thousand pop. Yeah. Pull that back to twenty five six, twenty six five six five. Um, did not have time to put the lime out, but the lime no. wreck you told. But him. lime was was not as big a deal because we were going to back it up with a calcium nitrate. Yes. Because he's irrigation, so yeah. we can inject it in the yep. pivot. Yep. So, but yeah, I didn't want him to go out with manure and all these other things because I didn't want it to instantly end up in the same boat where he got it. Yeah. Like that manure and it's all stuck because the soil is so unhealthy and it just ties right back in there. So it's like, save your money, let's boot the system back up and do this slowly-ish. And that's humic. what he did. Put humic on. Yeah, he run humic. He run biobiller. He run a couple other things. We told him not to inject it, and he still did it. But <laughs> yeah, he did it as a trial. Yeah. He's like, I want to try yeah. this. He's like, there's, it's, it's yeah. like 
a few yeah. dollars per yeah. application. Yeah. It, was, on, it was fun. Yeah, putting on some 945.15. Yeah, we give him a today. lot of crap, but he's, <laughs> he's, he's willing to try a lot of things. And right. the thing is, is, you can try a lot of things, you know, that were source that, that not source, but that we source for guys that don't cost very much money to, to do a trial application. And so then he goes in there and 200, he was going to be blown away. Yeah, he's like, dude, if it makes 200, I'm going to be freaking fired up. Thinking 175, 180 on the circle, irrigated. And this year we found out yesterday it was 217. It's pretty awesome. On so he pivot, went from pivot. a three to $400 that he was told to put on it. That's an addition because he would have run starters, starters and everything else. And everything else. Yeah. Wow. More nitrogen, more three, seed. Three hundred and fifty to four hundred dollars an acre, right off the top, and then still blowing his yield expectation out. And that was not throwing the books that Josh does. Uh -huh. That was just like, okay, this is unhealthy. Let's start rebooting the system slowly and smart, and then we'll come back next year and do more, and, and then on and on. And yep. so he don't follow the program Josh does. It's just a slowly increasing thing, but moral of the story is is that you just can't spend your way into an awesome soil spend your way into poverty yeah, that's right, right. <laughs> so, yeah so that's the biggest thing and a lot of guys just think you can just do that I see that all the time you know I get that question a lot if you had an unlimited budget what would you do honestly I still wouldn't do anything wouldn't do a whole lot different it won't matter it won't matter you, you can invest more in carbon it'll sit there, but the rest of them, until the system's there, I just think it's a waste of money. Yep. It Is, takes time. Can you talk a little bit on your compost adventure so far? So we've done, uh, we've incorporated some compost extract into our uh, operations. So basically what we're doing is we're making compost on the farm. I'm not talking about manure, I'm talking about like worm poop worm like actual decomposed stuff uh leaves wood chips alfalfa uh kind of putting it together we do put a little tiny bit of livestock bedding pack in it just to feed it uh making john uh, johnson sioux compost uh, if you're not familiar with that it's basically a no stir compost system we also have a continuous flow worm bay um so yeah we're basically making compost and then we are taking that Dirt. Aaron is literally going to have a cat Compost. Right People are rolling by. We're recording this in the hotel lobby right now. That's right. And we found the quietest corner we thought we could find. <laughs> so we, we take this compost and we liquefy it. We run it through a system that we have that basically takes the solids out one end. We wash it, pull all the organisms off of it, filter it, put it on our crop. Um, we're two years into it. We've seen... We've seen good results and we've seen no results. Mm. We have not seen negative results. How's that for honesty? Um, <laughs> I mean, I'll be, there was test strips I did this year and I'm sitting there doing the test strips and looking at the yield monitor, we set loads, yada, yada. And I'm like, it's identical to what it was right next to it. Mm. Or it was like maybe a half bushel better. And then you get into a sandy field and you're like, this was 10 bushel better when mm. we put this, you know? And when you look at what's in compost, it's not just like bacteria and fungi and, and protozoa and nematodes and all the beneficials. There's also humus in it. 
there's very, very small amounts, like not much, fulvic. Like there's some of that in it, not a lot, but I'm after the organisms. I want the living stuff. That's what I want to get out there. Um, so basically we're taking, to put it in simple terms, we're taking timber soil, we are liquefying it, and we are putting it on our crops in the soil. You ever been to your field, you go out there and you shove a shovel in the ground, you look at the soil structure, now walk 40 feet over next to the timber that borders it, shove a shovel in it. It's not the same soil. Why is it not the same soil? It's 40 foot apart. It should be the same soil. Right. You know, mm -hmm. full of organisms, our ground, not so much. You know, we use tillage, chemicals, stuff like that, you know. So I'm trying to bring back some of that biology. Like I said, we've seen positive results from it. We've seen no results for it. We have yet to see a negative result from it. There's mm -hmm. a lot more work, but it's just another tool in my toolbox that I can use. Um, yeah. You know, it's something we're still doing research on. It's not a silver bullet. If you think you're just gonna be a, you know, worm farmer and you're gonna grow 250 bushel corn and 80 bushel beans with it without buying any inputs or anything at all, we're just gonna use that strictly. I don't know if it's really possible. <laughs> like, you know, like you still need to give your crop stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. you still need to look at your soil test, see what's going on. You know, it takes a while to build the soil up. That's, you know, I mean, it that's wasn't, where- It wasn't destroyed in a year. No, it wasn't destroyed in a year, you're not gonna build it back in a year. Right. You know. That's one thing I try to tell guys, and I mentioned it yesterday at that meeting, is some, we source a lot of natural products natural isn't like like mushrooms or weed kind of natural you know what i mean it's more of things that are forming in your soil naturally like humix fulvics are naturally there they it's a natural process we just found uh, veins of these things and they're through the whole globe but found veins of these things and uh bring them in and helping boost the system same as applying biology these things already exist there yep. it's adding potentially some gap because there's hundreds of thousands of different species this year side dressing my corn adding 12 percent humic with it or not side dressing putting it on with the planter i dribble it out the back we run a 32 percent thiosulfate boron and my saddle tanks you shove your nose in the tank and you burn your nose like smell that 32 percent throw the humic with it and it just like you shove your nose in there and there's a little bit of smell yeah, it smells kind of like, but what would you say? Not much. Like, it really neutralizes it. A subtle it. fart. <laughs> I don't think that's quite that's one way to do it. <laughs> you know, before I even applied it, I'm like, this is nice. Like, it's not nearly as, you know, pow in the that's face. One thing I found was I find you a lot less it. corrosiveness. I'm putting humic in, and there's... Extracting or capturing salt. It is. Yep. So, um, we've got a customer to, for tank clean-out when he's spraying, He'll dump a couple gallons of humic acid in there with 30, 40 gallons of water, cycle it through his booms. It's like, dude, my filters are clean. I don't get like, uh, That's a good idea. you know, stuff. It's um, atrazine click caked up in the end of my booms. If you're using atrazine, um, I mean, it's it just absorbs. It soaks in. It pulls, and you read, you put your nose in the tank afterward. You know, you open the top of your sprayer, and it's just like, God, man, I don't want to breathe that in. You know, yeah, geez. but. It's kind of like slapping the pallet of bags at the, 
the farm store. You mm -hmm. just can't help but shove your face in there and smell. Yeah. Every farmer, what do you do yeah. when you open the lid? You smell it, yeah. no matter what it is. What's it? Oh, dang, that's bad. And then you hand it to your buddy. <laughs> Dude, smell Dude, that. Smell this. Oh, that's right. <laughs> it's kind of like you and we get this new product in and the first thing, what did you do? Stuck your finger in there and tasted it. Which product was that? Oh yeah, dude, that was stout. <laughs> That's the sea mineral product. Holy cow! Was it like a C like a C nine? Like a C yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Good it stuff. was hilarious. What what do we do when we get it? Oh, you smell it and you taste it and. Well, well, if I can ingest it, it should be good for my soil, right? Well, there's a lot of truth to that, though. There's a lot of truth to that. I mean, there's a fascinating connection between soil biology, plants, and the human body. Yes, Dr. Albright wrote a book on that, connecting the soil directly, the whole loop, all the way to humans. Yeah. And it is all tied together, because what do we eat? We eat plants and animals. What do plants and animals eat? You know, they, they, they eat leaves and you know, they eat grass and, and stuff. And where does the grass, and what's that stuff eat? Right. Soil, organisms. Sure. You know, it's all connected. Sure. Yeah, it's, uh, I was reading a book and they were talking about that. And basically the human digestive system and respiratory system is identical to plant system inside out. Gut biome. Yep. So the intestines and everything are just like roots. So just inside out contains inside instead of the outside. What else gives? I don't know, I pretty much got a PhD out of that. <laughs> I thought he was going to say Still can't spell it, but I got one. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I don't know. That's a recap. I mean, there's, we could talk for a long, long time. Um, I mean, we're headed to a, do a seminar that uh, just expounding further upon it. But um, we're going to do some more stuff with Gibbs. Gives a tremendous uh, wealth of information. Gives Field Ag on Facebook. Um, I, it's a great follow. Really great follow. You're, are you on Instagram too? I think I got Instagram, Gibbs Field Family Farms or Gibbs Field Farms. And then we got a YouTube channel, Gibbs Field Farms. Okay. There so you go. The, Gibbs, the YouTube channel is just up and going. We're trying to post a video a week, roughly. And it's going to cover like. I'm trying to cover everything, not just like farming. not just like all oh, we're worm farming. No, here's cover crops. Here's how a combine works. You know, here's how we got hogs. You know, like cool everything. Trying you know soil biology to growing crops to here's what we do daily. Like good for you. It's everything. Good Broad for you. spectrum to cover all the corners. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, the the Facebook I. I really enjoy following that. I know a lot of people have told me like, dude, you see what the video Gibbs put up? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just like, you know, it's just like treating your seed with humic and compost, you know, and calcium. Yeah. It's just like, and then it's like, just run your hand through it. It's like, whoa, that's yeah. freaking cool. That was neat. We did that last year and we grew some 70 bushel cereal rye with like hardly any rain. And all we put down, like we treated the seed with and, some and tons of nitrogen, right? And yeah, we didn't put down any NP and K on it. We put down 200 pounds of gypsum because we knew that the soil needed some calcium and it had high base saturation magnesium. We knew that going in. I pulled the soil test. We've seen that. We pulled soil tests the spring and this field had had manure on it previous years, but not this year. All the corn stalks removed. Pulled a soil test. We had like 55 pounds of nitrogen May 1st. 
Wow. And I'm like, why well, ain't gonna put any nitrogen? Why in would it? I do that? Yeah. All we did was treat the seed. We had 70 bushel cereal rye off it. So guess what we did this year? Yeah, we treated all of our seed. Yeah. <laughs> all of it. Every every bushel. It's like, yep. Let's just you got a hand what, pump sprayer. Spray what it would on. you say your cost? What would you say your cost per acre on that treatment was? Oh boy. Well, you got to factor in how much he spent on that inoculation system. The inoculation the hand pump system sprayer. Was yeah. 40 bucks. Yeah, I think that was like 30 or 40 bucks. <laughs> that mass mal- treated a thousand acres. I called the bank and I was like, do you think I can invest in this treatment system? He's like, I don't know. I think we can maybe make it work. Swing it. So we, we transferred to... the money over. We bought it. <laughs> you, you leveraged your first, we your, lever- your kids. We leveraged my first and second kid on that. Um, but yeah, just a hand pump sprayer. We mixed a little bit of liquid humic with it. And you're going to need a seed treater. Yeah, we're yeah, that's coming down the pipe. Oh man. We just it, real simple, you know, you could call it a redneck treatment system. We shove the sprayer into the um, you know, into the belt conveyor as it's going. Just kind of shoved it in there, pumped it, and then we were dumping a little bit of dry humic in by the bucket. How much are you putting on per acre? I don't know about that much. Yeah. You know, we were shooting for five pounds. We might have had eight, we might have had four. Sure. But that was kind of what we were shooting for. And just mix it with the seed as it went into the to the Way wagon. The Gluck system. The Gluck system. How many Glucks? Gluck, 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 Gluck. Yeah. Eh, two more Gluck, Gluck, Gluck. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, a dollar? 50 cents? Two bucks? Three bucks? I bet I had maybe, I'm going to say on the high side, three to four bucks an acre. Okay. You know, and that's two bushel per acre, so maybe a dollar a bushel. Two dollars a bushel. Probably pretty less than that. Pretty affordable. It's probably less than that. Pretty affordable. Yeah, it was very affordable. Nice. Yep. Yeah. Total inputs on that, next to nothing. Cool. Made money on it. So came on. Looking forward to doing that again this next year with yeah. rain. With yeah, rain. With You're going to get rain this oh, year. Oh, we get rain. I don't know what I'm going to do with 100 bushel rye. I guess I'm going to have to sell it. You're going to sell it. <laughs> <laughs> if you're, yeah, I mean, if you're in Northeast Iowa. See, then I run into the problem. See, it's every farmer's job to convince the banker you made money and the government you lost money. Uh, yeah, that's no kidding. You know, I heard that saying do. somewhere, and it's like, yeah, mm. that, there's the situation we run into. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True that. Ben, you got anything else? Nope. Yeah, cool. Um, but yeah, Gibbs got a cover crop seed company in Northeast Iowa. Um, great, just tremendous wealth of knowledge. We're heading out here to go speak to a group of guys. Um, yeah, cheers to 2024. And that's that. Appreciate you, Gibbs. You bet. Thanks. Let's roll with it. We got a lot of hay down. Let's go. <laughs> in November. Sounds good. Last cutting. That's right. That's right. That's right. Cool. All right. We'll see you guys. Catch everyone later. Thanks.